and we are back. It is episode 27 of Pro Painted, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Um, it's me, uh, Matthew Lyons. I, I'm joined by my two regular co-host stroke kind of best painting buddies. We have Ian. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Matt. Good, yeah. good. Great good, to hear. Good. I actually went for you first, the reason being that I could see now on Skype, for those of you who don't know, actually shows you if somebody's on mute, which I could see Rob was. <laughs> so it's a good thing I didn't start with Rob, eh? Well, I had my yeah. finger hovering over the uh, mute, yeah. unmute button, so uh, I was ready and sort of uh, like a coiled spring, Matthew, <laughs> in anticipation of your dulcet tones to introduce me hi everyone have you missed us silence, <laughs> silence. everyone's fucking I'm busy worried. everyone's busy contrast painting yeah no one's got time for podcasts anymore they're all on youtube that's all the cool yeah. kids are you have to edit that shit just put it straight up <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so welcome welcome back to episode 27 um we, I seem to see, I seem to say it's every fucking time. Been delayed, mostly my fault. Um, there's been an element of wanting to kind of record a good time because we'll we'll kind of talk about the contrast paints a fair bit on this episode. Uh, we've kind of had a little bit of experimentation with them. Um, but obviously, Rob didn't really introduce himself properly, but Rob Rob is joining us for this episode. Something he did bring up before we started recording is we haven't really done a, a kind of guest <laughs> show for a while. Um, that is intentional. Um, and the reason for that is. I thought you were going to mention the chilly ankle then, but no chilly ankle. No, you can save that to later. <laughs> okay. well, I think that's the episode. That's the episode title now, Chilly Ankle. Chilly Ankle. <laughs> <laughs> um, in jokes, everyone loves them, right? Anyway, um, yeah, so we, we we will do some more of the uh, the guest episodes. Um, to be honest, I wanted to kind of get into a bit more of a routine with our release schedule, so get get the three of us together chatting regularly, um, get more episodes out there for for you, obviously you guys that are listening listening to this podcast. Um, also realised that I'd made quite a big mistake when I like podcasting is something I'm new. to to in regards to running it i made kind of mistakes on how it kind of appears so for example if you searched online uh well if you searched on itunes for age sigma podcast we didn't actually show at all so there's been a kind of a lot of behind the scenes work going on um to kind of getting things kind of i don't want to use the word professional but kind of running the way it should be um so yeah we're basically good. i've got loads of events i've been to which i'm going to cover some uh cover some information from those loads of upcoming events as well we, we want to kind of give a shout out to but i think the main thing's going to be a bit of a hobby catch-up and a talk around contrast so um ian um obviously enjoying this for those who, who don't know it's it's thursday the sorry wednesday the 26th of june and this is this crazy heat wave day where apparently people have been dying all over Europe because they weren't expecting it. So it's a little bit on the warm side. So sorry about any sound quality. Um, but obviously, we've got Ian. He's still in his flat. Um, I am. So he, he may open the window if he starts. If you do start, like, panting, um, do feel free to, like, open the window. I don't want, like, a like a dog in a car scenario. Car, yeah. All right. That's fair enough. Ian's dies in hot flats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we really... Yeah. You die. You don't die in cold flats. We know that, but you can die in no. hot flats. Yes, very much so. So yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, just chilling out, good, relaxing, good. and hoping for some sirens to go past. To no, oh, he's guaranteed. Keep... Yeah, probably. It's like of all the superpowers you could get, mate. That was a shit one. I know. Yeah, 
well, it was me, draw the short straw there. Yeah. My one's not any better, which is if I drink too much milk, I get the shits. So <laughs> we kind of <laughs> drew the short straw on those ones, right? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, Rob, Rob is cursed with anything anything that he paints. Um, it's either going to be replaced or not relevant anymore. That's that's our yeah, exactly. Well, yes. Well, uh, anything I convert gets fucking released, and anything that I'm working towards as an army or a unit gets made redundant before I can finish painting it. So, uh, obsolete think, boy. I think that's, 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 that's a perfect little segue. So, um, so what hobby you've been up to in the month since we last recorded? Who <clears throat> now me? Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, I can't, can't remember. Did we cover all of we, the... We covered, we, co- we, we covered the Busty Samurai. Okay, yeah. Do we cover the Slanesh stuff? Yeah, I think you you mentioned that you'd got your arms. Did I? Yeah. Oh, right, I've got I've got ten of them now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you did a black market business. You know, yeah. How many arms you got? You want some more? You got, arms. got some arms. Got some arms. Um, Sword arms. Sinister and hats. Sinister hands. Claws. Whatever you want, mate. No, 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 no. They're, they're all the elegant great blade arms. So ten of them. Ten of the same arm. Why ten? Why do you, why do you need ten for? Right, okay, I'm glad you asked. Right, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, the, uh, the oft-told oft tale of my uh, sort of four chaos power army thing, the project that I'm slowly working through, um, the greater demon of... Well, the... Yeah, the greater demon of uh, Slanesh is going to be um, a proxy made with um, uh, represent T'Challa, the denied one. So she needs six arms, right? So six different blades. Now, the the artwork, there's only real sort of one official piece of artwork for her that I could find. And in the artwork, she's got six different, she's got six arms and she's carrying six different blades. Now that would like sort of throw my OCD off a little bit. So I thought, right, okay, rather than having six different blades, I'll have three pairs of different blades. Um, and obviously the first two pairs is quite simple. It can be the standard uh, great blade that comes with the new Keeper model. Um, the second pair is going to, and it's quite cool because they, they kind of size up quite well. But it's going to be a mashup of the elegant uh, great blade and the sword from the Wraith Lord kit. Cool. So oh, the, like the Eldar sort of style dreadnought, where he's got that kind of, um, it's like yeah. almost like a scimitar kind of end to it. Yeah, it's quite graceful, isn't it? Yeah. So, and obviously yeah. there's that Slanesh Eldar kind of connection. And the third one that I was thinking of doing was, because um, I've got, well, I've got one of the kits and it's an option on the kit. You can either give it a sword or a pair of daggers is the um, avatar of Yened, the Yanari uh, dude that's, or, you know, he, she, that's swirling around the uh, the vortex, that sort of uh, new kit that, that came with Gathering Storm. Um, he's got quite a big sword, but it's not big enough, um, which is a bit of a shame. So what I thought of doing, if you're, if you're familiar with the... Um, so that's two, two pairs sorted. So you've got the original pair that comes with the Greater Demon, and you've got one that's going to be a bit, a bit of a mashup between that and 
the um, the Wraith Lord sword. The um, so you, third pet. Sorry, go on. So you got six pet. So you've got six swords left. So I'm still intrigued. Where you need ten. Ten, right? Yeah. So okay. So the the um, if you look at the uh, the uh, are you familiar with the the style of the Kipper's Great Blade Sword? I've got one in front of me now. Um, the top end of the sword, the, the bottom bit is a little bit longer and it curves off into a spike where the top bit is, is quite like it's got like a diamond almost shaped end to it, like that sort of style of sword. And what I thought of doing was getting two, cutting the one side down completely and sort of butting them together. So you've got like that sort of that diamond, you know, where a sword, you've got like quite a slim blade then at the tip it sort of like fans out into like a diamond kind of shape like it on both sides do you see that sort of style sometimes with Eldar and elves and stuff um anyone wrote sort of yeah, familiar yeah. with that style yeah, of blade yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah. so yeah um so obviously it's because there is a obviously on the original artwork there are six different blades there some are a little bit samey samey but um so that need in order to do that for two pairs, obviously I needed four blades, um, and then I thought, well, the second, you know, the, the the ninth and the tenth can just be a spare in case I cock any of the conversions up, you know, as backup. So uh, yeah, ten ten swords. I do that. I order ready. extra trophies in case I fuck any up. Let's see, yeah. just order swords. Rob Ellis and his story of ten swords. Yeah, that's it. And the, the the other thing was, and I, again, I don't, I'm not sure if I, we covered it, but um, obviously for her, I was going to wait until um, Fulgrim was released potentially to do the sort of to base the the main sort of part of the, the conversion around. But I was kind of looking at the sort of bits for because I got on Mortarian, and obviously I've got some bits left over from. Um, what's his name, Magnus, uh, the 40k uh, models. Um, Chancellor is going to be probably a little bit too big when he does come out. Um, it's far, you know, not as live as the keeper, because although there's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of dead space on that new keeper model, but when you take away like the cloak and when you take away the forearms and the, you know, the sort of collar and everything, the actual body of the keeper is quite slim. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and trying to sort of mash that up with the because uh, I'd originally uh, done a conversion with the and this is, does my head in as well the exalted keeper of secrets from Forge World that I'd um, chopped in half and I was going to use it with the bottom half of uh, uh, the Morlock kit from the Tyranids. Um, I put a couple of pictures on Twitter. I think I even brought it to FaceTime at that one time when we were doing the, the hobby thing on the Friday because I was going to do a bit, a bit more work on it but never got around to. Um, so I've got, <laughs> I've got a chopped up uh, Exalted Keeper of Secrets. It's like a 70, 80 quid model that just is in bits. I managed to dig up all the other bits that I sort of carved off. I reckon I could actually splice them all back together again with quite little work. Um, but I might do that and then... then uh, than floggings, there's no real need for it now. Um, but the new keeper body does is a bit too slim around the hip area to to splice onto the Morlock body on the tail. Right. Um, yeah, it's quite a big size difference there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so I went and bought Marathi, didn't I? Um, so I thought, sod it. I'll just use like I 
Ian kindly measured the waist on Marathi, and it just about like Marathi, where the where the snake part of Marathi is at its widest, is probably about a millimeter um, slimmer than where the keeper's waist is at its widest. So I reckon you know with a bit of green stuff, and especially if I'm going to you know have I intend to have the bottom half of the cloak flowing sort of back down down the back and then off the back of the off the back of the model. Um, obviously, it's not going to the the snake portion of Marathi is not going to be in the same pose. It's going to be more sort of upright. Um, whereas obviously Marathi is kind of at a her waist at a forty five degree angle as you're looking at it because of the pose that she's in. Um, so yeah, gonna gonna do that. But I've I've got all the bits here and it's all ready to go. But I've I've really sort of held firm with uh, obviously controlling from yourselves um, to not <laughs> sort of start that and actually just crack on um, with with my zinch. And I think I, I don't know if I'd started the Gaunt Summoner um, when we last recorded. I think I just finished doing the Acolyte Shields. I was uh, you know cracking on with them and they got a bit. I mean, it's a bit much to try and tackle 20. I mean, you obviously you've painted plenty of acolytes and try to tackle 20 of them at the level that I'm trying to sort of achieve. I, I think I'm going to have to do them in sort of chunks of five, maybe. Um, yeah, he's a big ass. Uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, if I sort of, I hate to use the word, but if I was speed painting them or not doing, you know, sort of just knocking them out, then, you know, yeah. But, you know, you could sort of get your headphones on and sort of get down to it and assembly line them but I want to put a bit more effort into it than that and um, sort of paint them to a slightly higher standard so it was getting a bit it was the gold trim that that, that made me fucking off I'm looking at them now and I think I've, I've got 17 out of the 20s sort of gold trim around all the armour and the helmets and it is all quite intricate and I think I mentioned it before when you know going even they're quite chunky models even though they're they're quite sort of represent quite, you know, they're not very well armoured, but they're, they're still quite big models, obviously given the sort of scale creep that's happened with GW stuff over the more recent years. But even going to something like after spending 18 months painting something the size of Bellacor, and then you're actually, although your, you know, stuff is taking, you know, base coating something is taking less time because there's obviously less of it to base coat, but the accuracy really sort of hones your, your brush skills. Um, but even so, painting the, all that gold trim because there's a lot of gold trim on those characters is very. Um, when you first look at them, you, you know you think oh, it's a bit, there's the, the cloth, like they're sort of skirts, the loin cloth, a few armor armor pieces here and there, the blades and the helmets. And you don't actually realize how much fiddly little gold trim there is on them. Um, I yeah, don't know what your experiences was when you when you painted yours, mate. Well, the thing I found is I'm not. I mean, you're talking to someone who painted 30 Blood Warriors, so gold trim's never never been something that's always been particularly off-putting. But the thing that I, I find tricky as a painter to actually deal with is the, the with um, acolytes in particular, obviously it's the trim to quiet just a flat armour panel, and it's more that kind of getting the highlights right on that recessed armour panel. That's the thing that always takes me to yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, with uh, it was quite good because with the shields, it offered a bit more, um, sort of a bit bigger area to sort of get my eye in almost. It's yeah, kind of like sure. it's like shrinking down a little bit, right? So, right, okay, going from 
obviously doing all the edge highlighting on Bellacore's armor panels, which there were a few smaller ones of, um, but then going down to the shields and obviously doing all the black line and then the, uh, the edge highlighting and all the rest of it on them, which I think they came out really clean. Um, but then having to go that one step smaller where you actually look at, um, you know, something that's like you said, the size of the Karikakakis and trying to get the, where, where there's the sort of want of a better word, like the filigree on the gold trim where it sort of swirls out, yeah. trying to get the edge highlights around those Horrible. as well. Is, is a fucking bugger. And actually, you know, I, I studied the because I look at the box art and try and follow that as closely as possible. What a lot of them do is they, and even looking at, I'm looking at the shelf now, because I, I don't know why I was looking at them yesterday, but it was, uh, even like on the Blood Warriors, now that you mention it on the, on the, the box art, it's only the top part of the armor panels that edge highlight. They don't, yeah. like with, I know you see a lot of people, especially with Space Marines, they edge highlight every edge. To the same brightness, and it just looks weird sometimes, doesn't it? Because you're like, well, that's not where, that's not how the light and the reflection, you know, it wouldn't hit the lower parts. You know, you wouldn't get that edge highlight there. I think some people go a bit edge highlight. I mean, I'm one to talk, but they go a bit edge highlight crazy in spot, you know. And um, actually looking at it, it's, it's only really on the sort of upper curves and you know where these edge highlights are. Um, Something I've actually said to. Um terry pike of a uh, face hammer before uh, with some of the models of his I, I really he's a phenomenal painter really really kind of evolved over the last few years um and he's some of his models he's got um kind of he goes to a white spot on some of the highlights um which i i visually don't like and, and it always seems off to me um but obviously it's, it's a very popular way of of kind of pushing the highlights all the way to white yeah, and and it's one, and it's it's quite a good segue actually, because one thing I have done a lot of, um, and it is paint one particular model, and that's my Gaunt Summoner. Um, now, obviously, we mentioned a couple of episodes back, I, I went and did that uh, non-metallic metal course with Tommy um, down in Ipswich, and kind of one, one thing I learned from that, and it wasn't necessarily to I didn't want to create like a non-metallic metal effect. It was more about sort of highlights and shades and getting that kind of reflective look. And it, you see it on, like we've, I've said before, you see it, it's, it's quite a popular style with Space Marines now where you'll have that sort of the, the line highlight going down the centre to sort of enhance the cylindrical aspect of a piece of armour or, or, or whatever. So I very much thought, OK, well, I won't go for non-metallic metal style on the blue armor because you know it looked weird with the fact that i wasn't going to do the gold non-metallic gold as well yeah so i just thought i'd do it like a very highly high reflective it's almost like again like the box art for it the the gold in the in the box art for the guy on for the summoner on foot is true it's like metallic paint it's like normal gold but the way that they've done the way simon something um painted it and you know the the, the armor he's done very like high reflective and like he's he's gone so far as doing what you said you know putting these little sort of pinpricks of light and stuff on there but the problem the problem is unless you you know unless you're following a guide where you, someone's done it before and it looks good um, if you just it's it's one of those things that if you just pick up a model and you've got no kind of reference to it whatsoever unless you're sort of you know unless you've got it completely dialed in. You know, if you're sort of like a Darren Latham kind of level, 
chances are you're going to get some of those highlights in in the wrong place, and it'll just throw the hot like one highlight on an arm, on like your left arm, on like the left left wrist. If that highlight's wrong, then it'll just throw the entire it'll just, the whole model will look rubbish because the the highlight will not look rubbish, but do you know what I mean? It'll throw the no, effect I, off. I, yeah, I know exactly because, what you mean. Because there's no continuity. And that's one thing that Tommy was saying is that, you know, if you, you you highlight one, he said the best way to do it is to go like piece by piece and you sort of follow it around like a jigsaw. Like, you know, you, you look, you, you, you start on a jigsaw in one corner or you get the, you get the bit around, you do all the edges first, but then you sort of start in one corner and you work your way out. And it's almost the same with doing that because you always then got a frame of reference. So if you're, you know, if you if you paint like the right gauntlet and then do the right shoulder and then work across the chest, making sure those three look all right, then the left shoulder and then the left gauntlet will look fine because it's you're matching it as you go along. Sounds um, sensible. Yeah. So having said that, repainted the blue armor on that gauntlet. I'm gonna God knows that how many times. Um, and I'm sorry. Stripping. Yeah, PSA on uh, for our own little sort of uh, WhatsApp chat. I apologise for everyone for putting you through so many whip pictures. <laughs> Pretty much the exact same Fine. thing. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I've actually coined a phrase whiplash like, uh, without the H. Um, it's like backlash, but whip with work in progress. Uh, you get a bit of whiplash if you do that too often. Um, but I think I've got to the point where it's looking good now. I don't know if I mean I don't know what you guys think. Hey. Hey. There you go. Cheers, Ian. Yeah. World shit is superpower. Yeah. So if you've got, if you're playing along with with your uh, pro painted bingo, uh, you yeah. can fill in fill in the line now. Um, but yeah, so uh, going back to the armor, like the, you know, managed to get that locked in. I spent ages doing the um, the bottom half, the cloak. It's all like again, with, you know, one thing we mentioned with this army is I try and do a lot of blending and sort of nail that part of it down and. It's all hand blended. Um, the entire thing it's all came from was a temple car blue from Sotek green to Stegodon scale green, um, through to actually using um, some old foundation paint that uh, I've managed to find some uh, Necron Abyss, uh, which is like the really dark blue, but using it as a glaze uh, with the foundation paints obviously being such high pigment, they're very good at making glazes because they. They just don't break, you know. You can you can water them down or use medium to to thin them out, but they still retain that opacity. Um, very similar to scale seventy, how scale seventy five paints work, um, which you know, which is, which is good. I think I think it's coming along. I've got the um, did the freehand on the book today. Did the uh, flame coming out of the book as well, which I tried to do in that kind of reverse. Where you've got the insides are brighter than the outsides rather than doing it the standard way that you see that's, a lot of. That's not reverse, that's the proper way of doing fire. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it's the reverse of what you'd normally see, isn't it? Yeah. Um, where you'd sort of start and, and work your way up brighter as you go out with highlights. Um, yeah, and he's, I think by the end of the weekend he'll, he'll probably be done. Um, the bloody familiars, I mean, obviously I painted two of them <laughs> and. Uh, and the other two are, are sort of got their base coats on and waiting to be painted. I'm still going to paint them. I'm still going to display them with my army. Obviously, you can't use them in game. I'll just, if anyone gets a bit funny with it, I'll just take a couple of blue auras off or whatever when I'm displaying. Take your models over and go, fuck you, dude. If you've got an issue with this, fuck you. Yeah. Um, 
to uh, well, I won't go home. I just sit in the corner drinking beer and giving him the evils. Um, <laughs> just give, you can't see me, listeners, but I'm doing that thing where you point your two fingers at your eyes and then you're pointing them at the person. Uh, right, you, you, me, in the fucking car park after some. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, and yeah, it, it should be. I mean, it's. It was my birthday on Friday, so I didn't have much hobby time over the weekend because we uh, we went and went and had a weekend away. Oh. And it's uh, did you even know it was your birthday? Happy birthday for no, no. Yeah. See, this is no, yeah, so no, 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 no one knew. Um, this is the thing about not having Facebook anymore. No one actually knows it's your birthday. I did mention it to Kate, but then she turned around and said, "Well, do you know Matthew and Ian's birthday dates?" I was like. No, so what are you fucking complaining about then? Um, mine's, uh, sorry, mine's, like, easy. mine's the 9th of the 9th. 9th of the 9th, alright, okay, cool. It's a week before my dad's birthday as well. And it's, uh, believe it or not, listeners, it's uh, Isabel's first birthday tomorrow as we're recording, so the 27th of June. Um, so that's been a year. Well, what a fun year. It's, uh, no, Isabel. Oh, um, sorry, sorry, Isabel. Sorry. Yeah, my, my, my child. Um, Second child. Yeah. Um, Actually, is Bella called your so, first or second child? Oh, for fuck's sake, Matthew. Um, well, she, he, she was no, he was finished. <laughs> I finished him this March, this March, um, this March, no, this February. So it's your second. So she child. was first, second child, yeah. Um, so obviously we'll be doing stuff. I'm on holiday this week, which is why I might get some hobby done during the day. Um, hopefully, get the uh, gaunt summer and the familiars done before I'm back in work on. Monday. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa! Let's not push the boat out. Well, no, that's 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 the plan. I mean, the Gaunt Summer. He's got to, got to finish off the, um, just do the app, the app, the trim of the book, and there's some bits and bobs on the actual model that I want to just go back and neaten up a little bit. And then there's obviously the two familiars that need uh, finishing up. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty much done. Um, I'm not sure which sort of thing to tackle next so fancy doing some uh, fancy painting um, some enlightened or maybe do the horrors um, perhaps test out some contrast paint on the horrors maybe um, I th- I'm, I th- I'm not 100% sure it's something I've been thinking about I think it's uh, generally a good idea um, yeah. for stuff like horrors uh, but I, we because I mean it, you know, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that and my thoughts about that when, when we get to it but yeah that's that's the, getting the Gaunt Summer and what are your guys thoughts on that I know you, you guys probably sick to death of the sight of him after seeing the updates but what do you think he looks very good like very very good yeah, like, thanks, the, the, the script work so if you've done the writing in the in the book the, the I think it's like the book of profound uh, profound secrets or something it's um, awesome. really nicely done um, I, I, I've tried numerous times to do small kind of script and and book things and, and done I feel like I've done a better job of it at some times than others so how, how you I did ask you but you said you use you've got some like um, Ghostbuster goggles haven't you yeah so I've got the like if people follow me on Twitter, they can look back on the time when I did post a very fetching picture of myself looking like that guy from um, Trailer Park Boys yeah. uh, with them on. Um, Magnifying goggles. Yeah, yeah, and they, they are good. I mean, they're, like uh, like we said to you, my my eyesight is pretty much spot on, um, but I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And, and I, I was kind of looking at the the box art and it's quite handy on the GW website where you can spin something 360 but you can see top down as well yeah. you can spin it 
on the on the vertical axes, sorry, on the horizontal axes as well. Um, so you could see the. Uh, but basically, what I've done on there is try and copy what's on the uh, on the box art. Um, and there is no, I'd like, I, I could be wrong, and you know, if 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 I am, then so be it. And you know, if I am as well, please let me know your secrets. And whether you've got like of GW, you've got like an enlarger machine. They just make the models twice as big. They paint them and then shrink them down again, um, <laughs> which would be awesome. Um, but they're like, and you know, I've, especially with some of the, you see some of these pictures on Twitter. Some of the guys with their edge highlights on their Marines and stuff like that. There, I have got good eyesight. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with my eyes, and I would not be able to do some of that. And that it's not it's not any finer than what's on the box art. Do you know what I mean? It's it's pretty much the same sort of scale, and I would not be able to do that without those goggles. So they must they must use something. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's a magnifying lamp or or what, you know, it, it's I, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are about it's that. It's interesting been, to know if they but, are commonly used because it isn't something that I really hear much about. No, no, and it'd be it, it would be you know it is, and like you said, it's not something that. You know, up until I don't know what what put me onto them. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was because I was. I remember using. Um, I did have a, uh, one of those daylight lamps that had like a um, like a circular uh, lamp in it that had like the um, magnifying glass in the middle. And I remember using that for the freehand on the um, tabard of my Sylvaneth theme lawn. Um, which is quite intricate for me, you know, the old freehand that, that I'd done at the time. And that was done under, you know, sort of, a, it's like that scene from the blooming 40-year-old virgin when he's painting his Napoleonics, when he's sort of looking through the, you know, it's quite it's quite cumbersome to look through one of those magnifiers whilst you're painting with it in front of you, sort of in between you and the model. But, um, you know, I thought I'd try one of these headset things out and it works fine. Once you get used to it. Yeah. I've tried using a magnifier in the past and it just ruined my... Yes, that as well. Um, <laughs> but I, I found it just ruined my depth, depth perception. So my my brain couldn't work out where the brush actually was and what... Was that, yeah, I mean, was that a single magnifying glass or was that a pair of goggles, though? Um, that was a magnifying glass. Yeah, because I think cause yeah. goggles, that will give you your depth, depth perception back, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, and and having and also been I have them so they're slightly tilted on my head, so I can if I if I sort of put my head up straight, then I, I'm looking without them. Then I tip my head down slightly, and I'm looking through them, so I can always you know stuff like mixing your paints or getting it or paint off your palette or anything else that just requires normal sight, or even if you're just base coating and stuff, then you, know, you just do it through that. But um, they do take a little bit of getting used to. But they, they they are a game you know they're a game changer you know like I said there's there's there is there are elements on Bellacore where I'd painted them without them and then I started using them and I had to go back and redo like edge highlights on certain armor bits of armor because they just weren't not that they weren't good they just weren't as crisp as the ones that I'd done. You know, if I'd done them all without goggles, it would look fine. But the fact that I'd done half with and half without, I had to go back and touch the other ones up because they just weren't they weren't as crisp. 
you know, they could put, I mean, they're not, you know, it's quite, it's quite the, 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 the best you can sort of best, the highest recommended set you can buy. They weren't that expensive and you get a load of different magnifying, you know, get the, the little magnifier bits of clip on and you get a, like a pack of like six or seven ones that you can use and, and stuff there. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So roughly how much was that when you picked it up? About 25 quid. Oh, that's nothing, 30 quid. It? It's nothing. It's, it's not a lot. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's worth a mess about, but... Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, and, and you can even get, like, I mean, it's a shame that... They, I used to love going there because it, it, you'd find all this sort of stuff and it's a shame they're not sort of open anymore. But Maplin, like somewhere like that where you get, like, the Rolson tools, literally, like, the, where everyone gets, you know, you can get your all your bits and bobs, like your pin vice and your blades and yeah. whatnot. They did them there for... You can get them for, like, a tenner. Do you know what I mean? If you just wanted to try like a standard set, and I think it's not, I think the only reason mine cost any more is because they come with like a, on the top, there's like a little LED light lamp on it. And the fact that you get like five or six different lenses as well. Do you know what I mean? If you just went for a times two magnification one without any, without the, the lamp on it, which I never use anyway, really, um, then I'm sure you could pick up one just as good for, you know, 15 quid. And they're well worth the punch, you know what I mean? I definitely, think I'm, definitely I'm, worth a shot. After that, I think I'm tempted to pick one up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it, you, <laughs> like, Ian's looked at, Ian's used them. You've used mine, you've tried mine a couple of times. I tried it, yeah, and they just freak me out. <laughs> He's a, like, oh my God, you can see all the imperfections. You know, it's like, but once, once you start looking through something, and I, you know, like, I look, it, it, it all harkens back to, do you remember me, before I got them, I was taking photos and stuff on my phone and putting them on my iPad and blowing them up? Yeah. Remember that? And um, it comes from that, really. So I think, well, if I can if I can scrutinise them, you know, under times two magnification and they look good, then they're going to look good. You know, the only, the only thing you've got to be careful of is, you know, the whole, you know, it popping or not do you know what I mean because obviously if yes. you're working under a daylight lamp with times two magnification it's going to be twice as you have to do twice as much to make it pop under normal circumstances just with the goggles on if that makes sense yeah because sure. your your vision's twice as closer so yeah you've got to be a bit careful with that but as far as accuracy and, and doing smaller details and edge highlighting like the feathers on the on the front of the Gaunt Summoner, um, Chris would be uh, very proud that I've gone in and aligned every single feather. And from you hold them at arm's length, and you can't, you almost can't see it, but you can, your brain can see that there's texture. Um, sure. So, and it just makes them, it sounds really big headed, but it makes them look like proper feathers. Do you know what I mean? Because when you're looking, in, when you look, when you get really close, there is that really, you know, they're sort of really fine strokes and highlights on them. Um, and I'm, do you know what? It's convinced me that I'm going to do the uh, Egrim's Dragon's Wings to that DL. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, hopefully it'll look bonkers once it's done. Um, yeah, well, you know, it'll be done. As I was just saying to Ian off air, I think, um, well, I say he's the best thing I painted. Like of this sort, of, you know, at, 
I, I don't like saying it because it makes me sound like I'm being a bit of a big-headed idiot, but I think it's the best thing I've painted. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it is, like... It's, it's not being big-headed you if you're that... talking about your own own stuff. You're not saying yeah, yeah. it's the best thing you've seen ever. It's the best corn somebody you've seen painted. <laughs> well, um, but no, <laughs> I joke. Um, but no, I think just, like, and, and I, I kind of, you know, like, I just worry sometimes that, like, I'm trying to, like, I know that I, what I want to achieve as far as, you know, the difference between painting a really, really nice army and painting something to display standards. But I find myself really, um, like, obsessing over painting something and getting it spot on and, and the best that I can do. But there's still certain elements, I think, like, it's quite an interesting thing. It'd be quite interesting to see people's feedback when they listen to this. But where do you draw the line between taking ages to paint something for Golden Demon and just trying to paint something for an army the best you can? At what point do you go, do you put down the brush and go, I'm happy with that, that's fine, I'm going to move on? Do you know what I mean? Is it something that, is it a standard that you set yourself right at the beginning of the army or do you look at it as a case-by-case basis with units or characters or whatever you happen to be painting at the time um i know with you know that like there's certain elements on the gone some that i could perhaps take more time on but will they necessarily make it look any better because of my skill level do you know what i mean would it take me painting finishing the zinc charm we going off and doing something else and then maybe painting a gone summoner in a year's time just so that my muscle memory is, in, is better you know my brush what people call brushwork is better you know will it just mean that I can paint the same thing just quicker because I'm used to the techniques I'm used to the model I'm used to you know there's obviously you know a lot of time was taken excuse me I'm fair we're on gas um, uh, you know with the armour obviously took a couple of goes to get it right the cloak took a couple of goes to get it right um, those are the sort of two main things that sort of had taken the time a lot of the other things like for instance the feathers right on this point of a better word tabard um that's that's an element of the um army that's going to be the same color because that's what's going to tie a lot of the units together is obviously with a lot of zinch models a lot of feathers like little feathery charms or aspects of of models and they're all going to be that color because Kairos is the same colour as the Kairos Fate Weaver wings on the box art of Kairos Fate, Kairos Fate Weaver, and that's what Egrim's Dragon's wings are going to be. That's Egrim's Dragon is going to be painted in the exactly the same colour scheme as Kairos because that's who he's being proxied as. Um, and then obviously the narrative of the thing is that, you know, aside, Bellacor aside, the Zinch portion are his cult, so he's got his second-in-command being the Gorn Summoner. You've got all the cleric acolytes who are his cult members, and you've got the pink horrors, and you've got, like, the... the sorry, the Zangor, which, like, is heavies, and then you've got the pink horrors and the blues and stuff, which are the demons that they've summoned. So it all stands to reason that, you know, all the feathers across the army on the pink horrors, on the cleric acolytes, on the Gorn Summoner on Egrim, the feathers on the Zangors are all going to be that same colour scheme. The reason why the feathers on the Gaunt Summoner, you know, they look good and they took a bit more time than 
the ones, but you know that there's the shields that I did for the Kyrie Acolytes, you know there's a couple of shields that have the feathers on them. Yep. Um, I painted them using the same scheme, so I, I got that technique and the colour dialed in already. So what I'm trying to say is to, because you've done some, because you've done that repetition, do you become better or does the process become easier or is it a bit of both, do you think? I think you streamline the process. Yeah. I think you naturally. I mean, do you, I don't, don't know whether that's better or not. I think it's purely you streamline. Yes, yeah, like in doing. Could, but in doing so, does that give you then because you're because you're streamlining a certain aspect of the process? Does that like say for instance, you think to yourself, right, okay, um, painting such and such is going to take me X amount of time, but because by the time you get to doing that, because you've done it so many times before. It only actually takes you half that time, so you put that a little bit much more into it, or do you just stop once you've no, gone I, for the I, same standard? I think the actual the actual process takes the same amount of time. It's just you don't you don't you don't faff. You know exactly what works straight away. Yeah. What about you, Ian? Um, I think it's you just know what you're doing. So it, it's the it takes the same amount of time, but the muscle memory is improved, so it just looks better. So I think it's just the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, so I mean, I just think it's it's, it's just the the going to, to finish what we're saying is is to um is perhaps once you've nailed a technique, is make that conscious effort to to not is is to keep that consistency across an army. So when you you know to keep looking back on the stuff that you have done so far. Um, and making sure you perhaps don't go too overboard with it, but I get, I, th- I think the you know the benefit of having an army where you have got a lot of mixed units, and you know it's the same with most AOS units is, you know if you're, I don't know if you're storm burning and are painting slightly better than your clan rats, then it doesn't, it's not as jarring because they're completely set, they're completely different models. So if my light and the uh, are painted slightly better than my Kyrie Acolyte, say, it's not going to matter as much because they're a completely different unit and there's that, there's that natural separation in that regard, if that makes yeah, sense. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny you said about the feathers because that's exactly what I did with my army. I did the feathers all the same across the board. Yeah, it just helps tight, even though you can have different shades of blue on armour and different skin tones and whatnot, then having just that one element that ties it all in just just creates that coherency i guess but yeah anyway that's me done um we'll, we'll uh my love for my ramblings well, well we'll develop that as we get into a bit of contrast paint talking um so yeah. ian i know you're going to be a little bit of a lighter load um obviously with a with a house move impending but got anything any interesting hobby tidbits you want to share with us uh, not particularly this episode because I've done fuck all. No. Um, I painted three lances, skin of a termagant, and that's about it. Um, so I'm, I'm currently trying to get my little bit of my hobby mojo back, and I decided I'm going to try. To, I'm going to paint a model for the ever chosen um, painting competition that GW run in okay. end of july i think yeah so i think i'm currently in the process of building a noise marine so 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 like a one-off model just try to paint it to like a different just to get um 
bit of a one-off and mess around. So I'm going to paint it in. I think I'm going to go for, I'm planning baby pink metallic. And um, a while ago, I bought some quite strange black paint. That is... Is the absence of is, white stuff? Uh, yeah, it's like this, the matte, really, really matte black paint. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's um, it's very odd on smooth surfaces because it's um, like on a um, something tubular. When you're looking at it, it looks just flat, so you can't see the, the curve. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm going to use those, I think, um, to do the noise paint. So they look a bit weird, I think. Sounds very bit... interesting. Um, so, yeah, so that's my current plan. So I've done... Um, it's like the complete, um, I suspect, the complete opposite of you, because I think you've been really productive, haven't you? Yeah. For, a quick quick question. What's what's drawn you to do the ever-chosen competition? Um, just, you know, I wanted a, a reason to paint a model. So, yeah, I just needed a deadline. So it's kind of a one-off model, um, something to do, no real pressure if I miss the target. And we're back. Now, you might notice this is now a little bit more disjointed and we've lost Ian. The reason for that is we were recording this episode last Thursday. It's now Monday and Skype just decided to be an absolute twat and just wouldn't let us record. It kept dropping off. So we called it there. Um, I was going to do a solo kind of talk about a couple of things, including contrast paint, but I don't like the idea of just a monologue. It wasn't going down very well. So Rob has very kindly stepped in and agreed to have a, a chat with me about a few few things. So welcome back, Rob. Thanks for, thanks for, thanks for taking part. Um, no, no worries. I want to go qu- very quickly, um, give the usual shout-outs to our sponsors. So we've got Mercia Miniatures. Right, if you guys want some awesome metal and resin models, you need to get signed up to these guys newsletter follow them on twitter um because they are doing so many offers on a regular basis it's fantastic i think it finishes today i might get this out today so some lucky listener might have a listen but they're basically they're mammoth um they're selling it at the moment the same price with a howder and crew and everything as their normal um mammoth so i had a quick look on ebay the old chaos mammoth is still up on ebay for like 350 quid uh, Mercia's is so much nicer and it's massive. It's 175. So do go and check out that offer. You may well see similar things kind of come up in the future. They do buy one get one free or buy one get one half price on metal kits and all sorts. So um, is that the Mac Mac? Yeah, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. My pronunciation a lot of the time is dog shit. We'll find out to talk about contrast paints. Um, but yeah, I'm not <laughs> even going to. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. But it's basically a mammoth. Amazing for 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 uh, to represent Chaos War mammoths and things like that. I will also I didn't, didn't um sorry to interject this slightly, right. but obviously to give I know I think they've I don't know if they've had a, a bit of a resurgence, but I know um Gary had one the for his Beast Corps Raiders as well. That's quite a cool sort of yes. uh usage for them as well, you know, if you want yeah. for what are they called? Uh, not the stone horns, the other ones. Frost things. Thunder tusks. Tusks Thunder Tusks, that's Frost the one, yeah. But I mean, even you know, with that and you know the howder and a bit of jiggery pokery and a bit of conversions and whatnot, I'm sure you can whack a couple of chonky boys on there and uh, you'll be fine. Like I will say, it's massive. So it's Gary yeah. did a lot of uh, kind of base work to to make that make that super scale. <laughs> but yeah, no, def- definitely. I mean, it's it, you know, Chaos War Mammoths in armies like 320 points. They're good. They're pretty filthy, pricey. Mate. They're not not filth, but they're good. You know, they're they're a good okay. unit. Um, so yeah, no, no excuse not to pick yourself one up. 
Um, so that, that that's Mercia. So check them out. Also, I want to give a shout out to Curtain Games. Something we're going to talk about shortly is they're obviously they're our sponsors. Um, they've also helped um, help me out with some of the contrast paints ahead of the release as well, which we we all know kind of have been a little bit tricky to get hold of straight away. So you know, if you want to say thank you to them and help continue supporting the podcast, go onto their website, so curtaingames.co.uk, um, and you've got the code for Pro Painted, which is an extra five percent off all those orders. So that'd be great to see you guys kind of supporting them as they support us and that kind of rolls into i want to give a, a shout out for a couple of events um got a lot coming up um i can't make essex gt this weekend which is a real shame i would love to go to that um but i'm kind of helping them out through pro painted with uh, some, some unique stuff and some trophies which so you know, hope hope you guys enjoy all that or all, all that when it's there um but events wise i've got boss fest coming up uh, in about three weeks if you don't know already know about it and going probably not worth a shout out but that's our friend scott scott Lyons, formerly the black sun uh, basically camping and open gaming uh for like four days so it's kind of a slight festival vibe um drinking and gaming so that that's gonna be brilliant um but specific events I want to shout out is now this is an interesting one because i actually think and from speaking to people it's kind of a little bit of a not a secret gem, but kind of a secret garden of an event, which is I can't make face hammer because I'm going to be over in Florida running around like a little girl in the Star Wars park. But eggs, it's affectionately referred to as eggs, but that is the Element Grain, Element Grains, Element Games Grand Slam. It's their AOS GT. Now, this is my first year of going. Um, it's on the, so it's five games, 2K, and I can't see where the hell is the date. My brain's completely gone. Do, 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 do. Hello. So Friday, it's Friday 23rd, 23rd of August. And obviously the Saturday and the Sunday as well is the main event. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning it is a couple of our lads have gone up for the last couple of years. And they've absolutely loved it. I mean, FaceTime is a great event, but eggs have just... I've never been, and it just seems to be a fantastic kind of slightly smaller event. Um, I mean, it's still 100, 100 players potentially. Um, 40 quid give you food on the both days and everything, and it's at Element Games, which is which is fantastic. So up at the Northwest Gaming Center. I'm going for the first year, so it would be really, really good to see if more locals kind of to that area or anyone else from out, down our way heads up, because it seems to be a blast. It's kind of, people don't really seem to talk about it that much, but... Everyone that I've kind of approached and said I've gone, they're like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant event. So I definitely wanted to give that a shout out. And it'd be great to see the kind of the player numbers increase a little bit on that. Um, and then finally, so talking about our sponsors. Um, so this is a big one. This is um, Curtain Games have announced their first two play match uh two play two game match play event called Sigmar First Blood. Now, this is later this year. Uh, it's on the 7th and 8th of December. Um, now, it's 60 players. Now, Curtin, this is the first two days of AOS, but these guys are slick at running these events because they host Blood Bowl, X-Wing, all sorts, all at the same venue. Um, it's in a school. Um, they get a bar in, which I was surprised by. I didn't even realise that could be a thing, but that's amazing. Um, so it's really not very far from their store in Crediton, which is which is Exeter. So some of our lads, including myself, are staying local. Um, some are staying in Exeter and just going to drive and taxi up. So go and check that out. Um, they're currently, the planning tickets are available. It's only only recently been announced so on the curtain website again 40 quid december the 7th and 8th um 2000 point match play event so go and check that out and if you are going if you do pick up a ticket like and you've heard about it on the podcast give us a shout because it'd be great to kind of make, meet some new faces of who have listened to the podcast and this is maybe their, their first kind of aos aos event or 
the local to the area so that that'd be really cool to kind of to meet up with people and have, have a kind of a hobby chat um so that's all the usual kind of shout outs um and i mean can i just can i just add something to that quickly i know you're no. just running through the, the the bits and bobs but um not at all you can't <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah go no, I was going to say the, the curtain uh, event, and because usually what, and it's kind of like, I don't know, sort of to do too much of a deep dive on it, but because usually when you get on board with um, like a, a company or a community, a local community that are doing something for the first time, it's a really fantastic jumping off point for people with their first tournament, um, simply because you know, going to these sort of bigger established ones can perhaps feel a little bit more intimidating where you're going to some of these smaller events and, you know, it, it, it just seems that they, you know, but, you know, if you are sort of tournament curious, as it were, it just seems like a perfect opportunity for anyone, you know, even if you're in the Bath, Bristol area, you know, even in the sort of more um, easterly parts of Wales, perhaps, or, you know, Gloucester area, I'm sure. You know, some of the Gloucester boys can get involved. It's only a couple of hours. Do you know what I mean? You can do it. You can almost do it there and back over the two days. You know, perhaps you know you wouldn't even have to. You know, probably the as long as you didn't mind driving, the cost of travel is probably going to be less than staying somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, the perfect absolutely. opportunity for, for you know it's like the when when the big like the Bristol Independent Gaming thing started off and you know it's a it's a nice little starting point, isn't it, for people to get involved? I guess for the first couple, first tournament or too. Yeah, and I think you've got that thing as well where, so for example, we mentioned Facehammer. So great event. It's been going for a couple of years now. But, you know, something like Sigma First Blood, you're kind of there for the first one. It's the first yeah. two-day event, but you're kind of there. It's kind of quite a nice... It's got that to... vibe about it, isn't yeah. it? Do you know what I mean? Rather than being an established one where, oh, I'm planning for Facehammer, I'm doing a new army for Facehammer, I'm, you know, I'm, you get the real sort of, not to disparage any people that take it, that seriously as far as a competitive side but perhaps it feels that the less established ones will be more of a you know less of a um you know perhaps what can be perceived as an intimidating atmosphere perhaps for those that want to dip their toe in you know i think intimidating is kind of it's, it's a negative word but it is right i mean if you're i mean i'm the same i mean i don't i dabble in a little bit of 40k um and i have been enjoying it but i play it in a certain way but I've yeah I'd I'd be very daunted to go and do a forty k event despite the fact that yeah, I'm fine but doing a proper one I just yeah so I you know I completely understand people thinking the same about an AOS event for the first time yeah cool so we'll get on to the meat of the episode which is the big topic at the moment it's what all the YouTubers are talking about there are work in progress photos all over Twitter um, I put a photo up while working on my Iron Jaws army of the GW Bracken um, which I undercoated with the um, the Wraithbone spray uh, and then just chucked a couple of the, um, the contrast paints some of the more um, zany ones shall we say and um, give them a cheeky uh, dry brush of uh, the I think it was Warp Seer in the end uh, people went crazy for it like the amount of likes I got off that was more than I think I've had on any finished model for the last 12 months or something um, it's an awful lot of engagement I mean contrast paints are certainly starting a lot of conversations um, and, and a quick disclaimer so talking about contrast paints I bought plenty of my own uh, we mentioned that Curtin has sponsored, sponsored some paints for us as well. And um, I also want to say thank you for Games Workshop for providing um, some of those contrast paints for us to 
have a play around with and obviously able to report that back to you guys. So thank you for that and kind of those involved. So just so everyone's aware, we have got some free product, um, which will also be dished out to you and Ian. I need to need to go through it. It's very generous of them. Um, Yeah, thank you, Games Workshop. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, I, d- I doubt anyone will listen, but, you know, it's cool that they have. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So my thoughts on contrast paints are, I think, my number one thing I wish I could tell everyone is I wish they weren't called contrast paints. I really wish they had just come out under the technical paint heading. I think the marketing has gone a little bit overboard on this, and I know there's always the thing of there's no such thing as bad you know, bad press. I think there's, there is such a thing as uh, as bad marketing and expectations. Um, now, what I mean by this is I do not see contrast paints as a new or replacement way to paint. That's my number one thought. So I'm not skipping to the end, but I think that's what people want to know. They want to cut out all the waffle. Don't want to listen to me talk about talk about this for a half an hour, an hour to go my, my my final conclusion. But that's my main thing. This is not something dramatically new, and it isn't something that's going to replace the way you paint models at the moment if you're currently a painter. However, there are some very interesting, very good applications, and I think, what well, I think, I don't think, for me, they've definitely become part of my of my paint range so uh, can i can i get i mean obviously i, I know that you've had experience with them um so far and i haven't yet but um you know i've popped into the store and, and had a look when they've had some out to sort of play around with can i just add, add to that little section just as a jumping off point um i think um one of the the, the main things is is you know certainly for um painters of of your caliber that have, you know, with, with the sort of amount of experience that some of the, you know, bunny years, you know, uh, more experienced or, or better painters or what, you know, I think you've got two sides of the coin. You've got the the fact that to, to people like us, I guess, I include myself in that, that have, you know, experienced in painting, you know, they're, they're another tool in the toolbox. I don't think they'll ever 100% replace you know, it's not just, you know, you, but I, I think for, you know, for a starting off point and getting people, you know, youngsters, especially, because I know my, you know, my, my, um, my eight year old nephew and my, my brother took him down. My brother's a teacher and he started to run a, a little bit of a school league in the store that he, uh, in the school that he is in that he teaches autistic kids. So and as far as attention spans and, you know, sort of the people, you know, that, the standard way of painting perhaps you know having something where you just slap something on and it looked cool you know in you know to to them you know i think that's perhaps where they're you know that they're where not where they've come from as far as their market i think hit the nail on the head i think the way they marketed it you know there's all that speculation to begin with and is it going to be an airbrush is it going to be that you know there's all this sort of thing about you know what is this contrast thing going to be and then when it released i just think it it probably didn't i think the expectations you're right in using that word the expectations you know and nerd culture as a whole they take something don't they and they 
they pull on a thread and they blow it out of proportion. And in a lot of cases, you see it with movies, computer games, whatever aspect of nerd culture that the that people tend to be into, and and they'll extrapolate something to a point of hyping something in their own mind. So they almost build it up in their own mind to be, oh my god, it's going to be this amazing thing, and what is then released will never live up to that. So I think there is a little bit of that going on. I'm not saying that's the case with yourself personally, but I think maybe, you know, with some of the more negative sort of things you've seen on, you know, on social media and all the rest of it, I think there's a little bit of that going on. But what when you take a step back and what you've done is actually take that step back and gone, okay, well, you know, I'm at, you know, the the entry level thing is, is not, you know, it's not where I'm at in my, my hobby journey, as it were. You know, there are people that are that are at that point, and and kids are getting into it, and all the rest of it. That it's a it's a great thing for you know that they'll they'll be able to do that, and then once they've got their heads around that, they'll see other things. They'll realise they perhaps can't achieve the finish that they see on box art necessarily with contrast. They'll want to you know it's a good intro drug almost isn't it to, to the painting side of things you know when, when you sort of get given that little bit that's easy to do and then they want to know more um but i think you hit the nail on the head it's it's more it's a little bit different to more experienced painters i think i don't know if i'm making sense there or not but yeah i mean what i'll kind of break down what my thoughts are but there is something inherently i disagree with you about which is okay so as a concept of painting your armies to become battle ready, which is the GW yeah. term, and interesting, something they are using on their Speed event, the event <laughs> packs now, they call it battle ready. Yeah. Your army must be painted to the battle ready uh, standard. Here's the link to our website. Here's what it's talking about. Okay, it's okay. great. I mean, having a standardized something like that that actually walks through the process is fantastic. However, contrast paints are limited. That's, that is my personal opinion. They're limited in their application. So that's the first thing that I want to be very clear about. If you are painting Space Marines, generally speaking, Space Marines steer away from a metallic colour scheme. So they are very good at getting a really good base for an army. So, for example, I did a Death Company Space Marine. Black is a tough colour to paint regardless. I painted up one very quickly. Um, and that was through oh, cheeky doggo. Um, so that was through the use of two coasts of the um, Black Templar over the Grace I was really happy with the result because for me it gave me exactly what they were advertising the contrast paints were, which was the models black, the recesses are black, the vast majority of the models black. However, the raised areas on the models do look like they've got a soft highlight. I was very pleased with this because my Blood Angels army that I'm painting is a good tabletop standard army. It's not designed to be anything more than that. So by the time I painted all the details, I was really happy with the black on the army. This also made me think of my Daughters of Cain because when I've done my Daughters of Cain army again, so for AOS, it is a tabletop ready army and all the black on all the army armor on the entire army is just painted black. There's nothing more than that because black naturally reflects light on kind of the lightest area. So you kind of, people have said it before, black highlights itself. It kind of does. You can trick it because of the way that light works. However, contrast paints would have given me an even better look than that because it has created a contrast in the model. Really impressed. 
you can extrapolate this out to the other colors. So this is exactly the same with colors like Blood Angels Red. Again, tried it, really happy with it. Preferred the Wraith Bone in that particular example. Number one thing that came to mind though was it's not one thick coat. That is num just that that slogan. Ignore it. It seems to have already died a death. One thick coat. No, absolutely not. Two thinner coats will give you a much better result. Now that's for painting something like a Space Marine, where a Space Marine, the vast majority of your model is a strong colour, which is which is fantastic. The white is exactly the same. Apothecary white is brilliant. Did it over the grey. It gives you a nice kind of neutral kind of slightly dark recessed tone white which you can you can edge highlight with just pure white and it looks really good thoroughly impressed uh, impressed impressed so people are loving it for stuff like white scars it will allow people to paint those armies now which i think is fantastic that for me is the main application of contrast paints where the majority of your model is a non-metallic color they work brilliantly for however Across the range, there is, they're not consistent in paint. So what do I mean by this? You've got a, a paint like Snakebite Leather, which is one of my favourite contrast paints. This thing is like devil and mud on crack. It is when you're painting those straps and pockets and things on your models and you want to darken down the colour and GW washers nowadays they don't really darken down the base coat and you know you want a dark colour you put snake bite on it it is lovely also used it on my the horse flesh for my um, warlock steeds I try to I paint them more different colours goes on one coat don't have to paint it on thick you paint it on like a wash and it is an, a, a fantastic paint it does exactly what I've mentioned on the others where it gives you these raised highlight um, on there really really good now, if you compare that to something like Griff Charger Grey, it's a much, much thinner consistency. That is, it really does feel like using a wash. So on the same horse that I did with my Warlocks, I had to do two coats of that. And I found it pulled, because it's so much more thinner, it pulled an awful lot more. So I wasn't quite happy with that result. Then you also go on to colours like, I really wanted to like... Uh, pterodon turquoise i really really did i think the color is good does not work for me as a contrast paint don't know what it is it just does not work for me when i see a lot of the paint work with the contrast it's very much i still look at it that the, the the base coat is just showing through it just looks like a thick wash um, and that's unfortunately what that paint does so as far as i'm concerned black fantastic white fantastic all of the the base the base colors so space wolf space wolf gray um blood angels flesh terrors will all give you that majority color so if you've got your primaris space marine and you want to get that solid armor and you know you can just paint the detail it is absolutely golden so that for me is the use of contrast paints and some of them can be used as washers such as snake bite in certain places what they're also really good about they really love detail so if you're using any of the highly detailed gw bases for example so if you're using the aos ones with all the cobbles and everything do that do that in gray sear um wash it with uh, i think it's basilicum gray get your d series from element games dry brush out if you've got one of those or your makeup brush give that a dry brush with white and it is a combination that is brilliant dry brushing has been gone through going through a renaissance recently contrast paints used with dry brushing is a winning combination 
obviously you don't really want to dry brush your Primaris. You can, but if you're doing, for example, a Nurgle army um, and you want you washing the skin of a grey and clean one with contrast paints and then dry brushing, you'll get a really good result. It's also very interesting that certain paints seem very similar in tone, very, very similar, which surprises me. The two examples of this is the Warp Lightning and the Orc Flesh. So I use both and I actually struggle to tell the difference between the two. I don't know why that is. I don't know why they're so similar. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's uh, an unintentional issue. I don't know why what it is, but that that was my findings of it. I can't talk about all the paints because I haven't used all of them. There is so many, and I think it's probably going to take a year of trying out these different paints to find out what what they're really good for. But what I will say is, if you are a painter at the moment, and you consider yourself to a good standard. If you've got that army that you want to quickly get on the board, they are really good. Don't use them for everything. Don't use them for every little detail, because one of the major things I find with the contrast paints is they're actually quite hard to control. So if you're using them in a limited method, so Snakebite, for example, you've probably done this, Rob, a million times. You put paint on your palette. You've had some Lamium medium. You go and paint it on the model, and it's just too thin. As soon as you've hit the surface tension, your brush is hit. Just It's instantly flown straight off your brush and straight into the recessed bit in the model that you didn't want. So, for example, if you've got a strap, it goes straight straight down onto like the armour of the model. It just goes completely off. Do, do you understand what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I did, did it yesterday. Yeah, okay. So it frustrates I was, I was dark, darkening down some of the... Um, sort of used a bit of a, uh, a custom sort of a shade slash sort of what you know lamy medium down mixture of that and a, and a base coat just to darken down some of the gold trim on the um gaunt summoner to create a bit of that contra well funny enough contrast okay. between that and the blue armor and i got i loaded the brush with a bit too much and it just went in it sort of it almost sort of spread across started spread across the blue armor luckily because it was you know, I had a bit of Lamia medium in it. I do a little cotton bud with Lamia, you know, a bit of Lamia medium on it. Just, just sort of with capillary action kind of soaked it back up, sure. luckily. Um, so, yeah, I dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> a bit of rage pit moment going on there. But, yeah, no, I understand completely what you mean. I, I think, for t- you know, any, anything that, I, you know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't actually used contrast paints yet, uh, you know, on a project. Or, you know, I've used them in store. But yeah, detail-wise, uh, you know, you imagine painting up a the torso of a Kyric acolyte, and then you go to do the straps where you've done everything. You know, someone like I'm, um, like <laughs> you, you guys think I'm very strange, but you know, I'll paint, you know, I'll, I'll base base coat, layer, shade, and highlight one set, you know, all the flesh of something before I even start painting a strap. Do you know what I mean? Rather, you know, and I'll go to do that, and it'll just, you know, I can imagine running it along a thin strap on the Kyric acolytes, and it just going off into other bits of the miniature that are, at that point, you know, considered completed. You know. Yeah. So, a good example is a Kyric acolyte. Now, what I'm talking about here is if you've got the strap, say you've got your nice, you painted a nice cream kind of tabard or or, or skirt or loincloth on your acolyte, and then then you paint the strap. And then you put your contrast paint on. Now, in the past, if you were just washing it or if you were making, as Rob says, kind of uh, your own, um, you do your own glaze or wash. um, 
if it runs off onto the model, it's a thinned paint. If you do this with contrast paint, the pigment is so high it will stain the colour that it goes on. So if you've got a nice, a nice white, a nice it's green, me, it's, it's, it's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. You'll have this splotch of you'll you'll clean it off as best you can. You'll have a spot. It will stain the colour. So control for contrast is and that's one of the biggest thing i've seen with the work in progress is people messing about with the contrast paints is that you, you for me personally you can clearly see control is an issue because they're trying to paint models with contrast paint it's totally fine if you're painting something like a primaris um you can do all in one color you can relayer like the chest eagle you can do contrast paints on that it'll all look fine um you can use the black on the bolter cases these are all quite large areas of detail but if you are painting something like a blood angels primaris marine where they've got those extra kind of gold medals on there um where they've got like extra straps and things you, you need to get your as GW call them, kind of the standard paints out and do those. Now, what this means, and this is very interesting because I'm painting a Stormcast army at the moment, so I'm doing a Hammers of Sigmar army, and actually the contrast paints really do not help me. Um, and the reason for that is because my main colour with Hammers of Sigmar is gold. Um, so if I want to use contrast paints on the models, I have to then relayer. So I'm actually painting over the gold, either the Wraithbone or the um, uh, Wraithbone or Grey Seer, and then applying the contrast paints over the top of that. Now, that's no different, and it genuinely has given me no better result. Actually, I've been disappointed with it, where I've done the heads on my bolt, my bolt thrower crew. I had to do two layers of the um, Wraithbone, then did a wash of Gulliman's Flesh, and it really hasn't settled or sat very well. So... I would actually say contrast don't help you when you're painting something like a gold. Like if your color scheme's gold, your models are gold. And again, these newer Stormcasts, like Liberators, I can see, yeah, you can do that. That's fine. You get onto the, the newer stuff like the Celestar Blister Crew. They've got gubbins all over them, load of metallics, loads of different kind of textured metallics. Yeah. They, that's just an application that really doesn't help. However... The interesting one where it comes to things like the plumes on the top of the helmets, the red, because it's really detailed, it's really recessed. You relayer that in one of the, the pots, uh, Gracier or, or, or Wraithbone, I've said, I could probably say that a million times now, and then you apply the Blood Angels red over the top, it looks really good. It looks like it's been highlighted. So it's an interesting one for me where what I've found is if your main colour scheme, you can do your main colour scheme of contrast, brilliant, paint your details with normal paints, but if you're using the majority of normal paints, you're using a metallic base coat or you're using a colour which isn't appropriate for contrast paints, you have to relayer. They're actually quite good for kind of larger, hyper detailed areas because, you know, plumes, you've got those strands and everything work really well. I'm not a fan of the application that a lot of people are doing, doing like a non-metallic metal with them just out the pot. I don't like it. It just doesn't look right. Um, so, so far, that for me has been the biggest things with contrast. They're a great and the best example of why I think they're a good tool. They have their uses. Also, when talking about things like black and white, black and white work the best with extreme contrast. So what I mean by that is if you paint a model black and you want it to look black one of the best ways you can do that is if you can do a really tidy highlight of white it will look black because you've got black and white same with white if you do you do exactly the same thing the contrast between the two work really well 
And it's the same with contrast, but this is one of the failings that I have with the paint and one of the reasons why, as an introduction to painting, I do not think they're very good, is none of GW's layered process that they've been building up for the years... Oh God, it must be years now. Two, three years, do you think? GW's doing the whole basin so, layer? Um, they, they, they relaunched their... So the 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 G the Citadel Paint um, sort of system as they they branded it that was Christ that was 2014. Yeah, so well, yeah, even longer. So so when the, that's when they got rid of that's when they got rid of all the foundation paints, the washes as we know that as we knew them, you know when Devlin Mud went to Agrax, and you know they got rid of all the. Uh, the standard stuff when they rebranded everything with all their trademarkable names and all the rest of it. I think they, they kind of developed the, you know, the app, the app and stuff, you know, a little bit later on, but yeah, certainly 2014 was when they did the, did the painting, maybe 2013. I was got a phone to you at the time. So yeah, it was a little while ago. The reason why I mention it is with contrast paints, I haven't found an out-the-pot highlight process that works with any of the colours. So what I mean by that is, if I'm painting my Blood Angels, I know to paint them Mephiston Red. And I know I can go to... Oh, what's this? You know, I'm going to make talk fool of myself and not remember what colour I use. So, <laughs> Evil Sun Scarlet is my personal cool. favourite first-stage highlight if I'm painting uh, from a Mephiston uh, base coat that's been washed or glazed. I do not know with Blood Angels red contrast paints what looks best because I've tried and the tone's off. I actually feel I would need to create my own highlight by mixing paints to highlight Blood Angels red. Okay? And I think that's, for me, one of the biggest problems with contrast has been an introduction to painting. They need to be clear. For me, contrast paints need to be explained to painters as a good way to get a tabletop army painted quickly. Yeah, they I, are not. Do you, do you, they're not easy to paint up from. They're not easy to scale yeah. up from without so, an so awful lot effort. Do you think, like, if you look, you know, um, to take your your sort of process, your flow chart and whatnot, that it's kind of the way it is at the moment. I mean, obviously, the more experienced painters will just see it as another tool, and that, like you said, they'll you know you'll integrate it in and and you know, create your own highlights and all the rest of it. But do you think Games Workshop at the moment are, to, uh, are sort of promoting it as, and well, I, I said, do you think, I know they are because they have examples on their website where you go parade ready or battle ready and parade ready is following their Citadel paint system yeah. and battle ready is following contrast. So it's kind of almost like they're at, at the moment, I'm sure, you know, it will probably, you know, uh, evolve over time and you know who knows what they'll 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 bring out i'm sure they'll you know they're always thinking of new stuff to sell us um but do you think at the it, it very strikes me very much at the moment that as a sort of company message is the party line almost that they're like right you either paint with contrast or you paint with the layer you know the base layer wash highlight you know the the citadel paint system and it's only really when you know people like yourselves, you know yourself, or you know, I, I mean, I, I seen um, Andy Wardle, who's an amazing painter, um, paint up his. You know, what's it? The 
the new Sylvaneth hero. Um, uh, you get the, with the box set Arch Revenant, Arch, is it? Arch or, Revenant, yeah. um, and he used con the contrast paints, uh, the green. You know, he's got like the leafy cloak. Yeah. Um, to to almost use it as a wash on the back of that. Sure. Um, and you can just see you can see him using it almost as as a as a glaze with the technical medium, and also helping him map out where his further layer and highlights are going to go um so you know when you've got more experienced people like that using it then yeah it opens up a you know a lot of stuff but it seems like it's going to be a lot of like you said trial and error and you're almost going to be using you know trial using that trial and error on a case-by-case basis like you said you know what's going to highlight my Blood Angel Red, where well, I'm going to have to make a mix specifically for that. It doesn't seem to be something where you can integrate the two no. as seamlessly and, as they perhaps would want. And that, for me, is kind of the that that's the that's the failure. That's the, isn't it? That's the ob- it's, it's not a failure. That's the obstacle to they they don't teach anybody how to they don't help anybody with painting. They if I because I've done it, I've worked in a games workshop store. Um, if I was introducing people to paint, I would still be doing the base coat wash highlight process because that's what GW has been building up the last four or five years if I was teaching people to paint if I was talking to people who the the interesting one is those that that I think there's two different kinds of people that contrast paints are particularly good for it's those painters who can paint to a, a good standard which I consider myself but also I want to use quite a few different armies and contrast paint speed up that process 100%. I can work a colour scheme around the idea of using contrast paints. Um, in the same way, and I'll, something I'll get into in a minute, that I would airbrushing. Um, the other flip to that is those that the painting side of the hobby just, for whatever reason, it isn't them. So where I'm, again, a competitive AOS player, so contrast paints are good for those kind of guys because they can go, hold on, I can just spray this this colour, wash this bit, this colour, this bit, this colour, and my army's done. I don't need to worry about um, kind of blocking colours in, washing, um, maybe doing a dry brush or anything. I can just do this. So it's great for for doing exactly what it almost says. Like, gee, it should be these paint pots should be. They do what they say on the tin. Battle ready. They'll get you an army if you want. Just use contrast paints for certain armies onto the board really quickly. They work really well. So if you want to do storm stormcast. Don't go metallic. Use the contrast paints. Go for the black, the white, the red as just quick examples off the top of my head. Use those. Two coats of those. Paint the detail. Job done. Move on. That's what I think contrast paints are really good for. Um, I'm not sure yet about them being used as glazers. Um, I've had mixed results. One of my favourite colours has always been Waywatcher. And again, it's the accessibility factor that that frustrates me more. It's that I know I can flip open a a pot of Waywatcher green and I'll have a consistent Waywatcher green across anything that I ever do where I do the glow on my eyes. And I know I can do a little dab of Gauze Blaster, do another little highlight over the top. It's all good. I don't get that with these. I don't get that with contrast paints anymore that frustrates me that I'm going to have to work out the mix each and every time and it's going to be inconsistent and again because the paints are different you need a different mix so again as a painter wanting to replicate something the same each time very tricky unless you go down the whole route of doing what 
we used to have to do so often when you had these you know the paint range wasn't wasn't what it what it wasn't what it is now and you had to pre-mix paints into pots this is my shade for this this is my shade for that um i remember it being a popular thing when stormcast came out um like les martin for example the uh, the turquoise green armor on his he had to you know as a custom color he had to mix that and decide what he was going to be using contrast paints if we don't get these glazes back in the same way that we're used to them it's a, just a bit of a shame really it's a bit of extra faff and i don't think contrast paints replace glazes i haven't had them work in the same way um haven't, think... they, haven't they haven't they um not said but implied that the uh, airbrush clear range is, is that that's that. going to replace the glazes i've heard it that's a, that's the rebranding of the four drops pretty it. much isn't it but again, till I get it in my hands, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You, know you, you can say that. I mean, you could say, for example, and Black is still one of my... I hate it. It's a pain. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. So my Iron Jaws army, I took it to Paul's um, uh, Doggers event uh, the other week. Um, I ran out of army paint and matte black spray uh, um, paint. So I used and Black. And half the bases of my army is just scratched off. I mean, that that's just insanity. It doesn't happen with any other paints. A bad and black is a really nice paint to paint with to a high level because it's opaque. However, yeah, anyway, that's a bugbear. I've known about it enough. Uh, one <laughs> of the interesting things that I, something that Byron said on one of the early episodes um, is GW's paints are very much um, pigment focused. So purple is purple. Green is green. Blue is blue. They don't tend yeah, to kind of no... have different hues or mixes. Contrast paints do, which is very interesting because the black has a kind of a purple tint to it, kind of a purpley blue tint. Um, and I've noticed this with the contrast paints. They're quite a, quite a mix. So I think that's something very interesting if you're making your own kind of glazes and washes and a need to play around with it more. Um, so as far as I'm concerned... What I'll say with the contrast paints, the final, the, my final kind of thought before I kind of summarise why I think these would be worth buying is airbrushing. It's a very popular topic, something we get asked about an awful lot, um, and it's something that I think there's still a bit of mystery about it. It's almost like a bit magic because it's expensive. To get initially into airbrushing, um, to get the the full benefit of the airbrushing process out it's quite a large amount of money now the reason for that more than anything is the cost of the compressor actual airbrushes themselves aren't particularly that expensive for very good ones compressor whole different kettle of fish they're the ones that run into the hundreds very very easily um now i actually if somebody came to me and said hi i'm getting to the hobby i want to get into painting what should i buy i want to stay into this for a while and i want to be able to very efficiently get armies onto the board that look nice i would actually not guide them to use contrast paints at all um i think if they can just one of the things i've said with airbrushing is if you can justify not having an army so if say for in a year you wanted two armies if in a year you could justify having one army in an airbrush buy an airbrush rather than that second army that's kind of the cost investment as i see it because i think airbrushing it gives you a fantastic base to work up from. It allows you to do some fantastic effects. I think it's a skill set you can develop 
um, the more you use. So uh, Angel Geraldes, for example, who works on a lot of the Infinity models, he's got books out there, fantastic resource. Airbrushing is an excellent tool to anybody who wants to be painting miniature models. Because the reason why I mentioned that, if I said to everybody, go out and get the contrast paints, they are not cheap. £4.30 a pot, I think a lot of the discounted retailers. Um, if you want to pick up the full set, again, you're looking at hundreds. So if somebody came to me and said, what should I buy, an airbrush, or should I buy the contrast paints? I think I would always get them to get the airbrush, because I know they'll get more out of it in the long run, and I know they'll develop as a painter. So that's that's... One of my biggest things with contrast paints is that I feel they're doing a job that it, we kind of don't need. Kind of old school painting techniques of base coat, wash, highlight. Working in the airbrushing with that will give you a much better result than using those old school painting techniques with contrast paints. Yeah, I think um, we, we're going back into the realms of, you know, who, and you know, I'm not sort of, this is just a counterpoint. This is not devil's advocate type stuff. But I think when you say about, you know, do you um, do you buy two armies this year or do you buy an army and get your airbrush set up? That, it, that doesn't apply to a lot of people that GW are trying to target with this product, I don't think. Agreed. Obviously, Agreed. You know, our, and, and our list. I, I know, I know. What I will say is the people that we're talking who, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's who the, we the, care the, about. I don't care about the people who aren't listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but no, we we got to consider. I mean, as a community as a whole, there's got to be a fresh blood being brought into it. Do you know what I mean? And you know, without that, you know, if we, you know, God forbid, well, <laughs> Christ, we're there in five, six years, still doing the podcast. We're going to want, you know, that those people that, you know, my nephew will be, you know, 15, 16 then or you know, 14, 15 then. And, you know, you've got to think, you know, it's a strategic thing. And then this is, you know, one thing that's come out of Games Workshop recently. So, you know, as, as they've, as they've you know, got the new CEO and everything, they're a lot more forward thinking. Um, and having something like this where it's a not, you know, having... Not having too many options is never a bad thing. Um, you know, I, you know, personally, um, and it was something that I learned from, from, you know, some advice I had from Byron. And again, referring back to what we mentioned in a couple of episodes ago about some of the painting guides that what, you know, when I got back into the hobby, when I started listening to the Black Sun around 2010, you know, one of the things there was a couple of painting guides on the, you know, still is on the Element Games website. Um, from when he did his demons and you know he was uh on the there's a tutorial that i remember from uh some of the steeds of slanesh that he did and he shaved them by and there's a very specific recipe mix on there you know of certain ratios of paint but there's like you know one part airbrush and a certain part medium certain part wash a dab of actual base color to give a big bit of pigmentation and then you blow that through an airbrush onto a base coated model as the shade. And because you because of the way the airbrush works, it forces the shade deeper into it and blows it off the upper parts of the model. It almost works like contrast. Sure. Yeah, where, where, where it will, it will shade it. And because of the way the airbrush works, it will take that layer off. You know, you won't get that where you said about, you know, some of the washes, 
um, darkening the you know the entire model. It won't do that. It will you know if you do it right, and you, you know it takes a little bit to get the Mac right. You don't want it too much because it will start to pull too heavily and whatever. But for me, that's that's how I do a lot of my organics, and and it's not it's not um, you know I'll base coat it and I'll blast over with a mix that I've you know that I'll try and you know I'll try out on a few sort of spare miniatures or whatever just to get the mix right. Um, and then that'll map out where I put my highlights, where I put my, you know, where I can layer up on certain things, where I can blend this, where I can yeah, do that. For me, that's how I see contrast in my thing. You know, like I'm You're quite right. keen that's... to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it out on the pink horrors, I think, on the unit of 10. Yeah. Just to, just to get an idea, you know, I'll try it on the one to begin with and then if it works. But the, it's, to me, it's almost like, okay, well, it's, it's kind of like a shade. But then I'll still do my line highlights. I'll, st- I'll still probably still spend far too much time blending unnecessarily <laughs> and all the rest of it. And you guys will probably have to endure a hundred work in progress pictures of one test model that you know I'll, I'll uh, burn out on and not actually finish painting the unit for a couple of months. But you know, I th- to to each person, it, you know, it's it, it's it's oh, I don't know what the phrase is, but it, you know, it's something to ev- it's something different to everyone, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think if it's a polymorph, yeah, well, yeah, a red dwarf. Happy yeah. days. Um, <laughs> but um, get that reference. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking back of that. That's probably one of the best, one of the best ones from series three. <laughs> um, but but going back to what you're saying about, I, yeah, I, I understand that you know our, our listenership and and where we are as painters and, and where people are and the sort of the community, the, the portion of the community that we sort of uh, are involved in and how it will affect them. But we can, we can't take away, and perhaps with me being too much of a fanboy, you know, we can't, you know, this is certainly not us. And this is certainly not me saying it because we've had some free paints off of GW as well. So I don't, I don't want none of that pleasant for paints crap going on on Twitter if anyone listens <laughs> to this right but certain you know you know I'm I'm always a glass half full type kind of guy and I think you know certainly for if it makes it easier for, if it makes it easier for only five percent of the community to do something they couldn't do before then it's happy days isn't it do you know what I mean we can take what we want from it and move on and, and crack on. You, you know, it's not going to stop you painting for awesome armies. It's not going to stop Chris from painting awesome armies. It's not going to stop Ian from painting awesome armies or whoever out there from painting the way they want to do. But if it if it involves more people and if it gets more armies to the tabletop and if it certainly if it reduces the amount of bullshit armies that thankfully I haven't had to ever endure when I've gone to tournaments, but they are out there. We all know. You know, we've always all heard the horror stories. You know, maybe Hristo um, okay. would have, would have, yeah, maybe Hristo would have painted those bucket of bugs with a bit of contrast um, back in the day. Uh, but then, you know, you, you just you never know. And, and like I said, having you know, maybe it's a it's a fool's errand them investing as much into it as they have. Maybe they haven't. The marketing hasn't hit home as well as. Yeah, I mean, you should have maybe, but again, it's it's just another tool, isn't it? You know, the core thing I'll say is yes, it's exactly that. It is another tool, and the reason why I'm being very clear about what my thoughts about them are on the application is because that's what people want to know. Is 
it's all well and good kind yeah. of going look at this this is our new paints this is what they look at these amazing things they can do um there's a lot of kind no, of we don't want people to be disappointed then do they do you no, know i, mean? I also not... if i can inform people on what they're spending their money on the results they get that's what matters that's what that's what that's what an honest review is and i'm talking to our listeners so the kind of people that i I know we'll be listening to this because we engage with them. Um, what I want to say very quickly, we did get a couple of last minute answers, some of them kind of sillier than others um, in regards to contrast paints. Um, so we had um, ATT64 on Twitter, Adam, Mr. Voxman, saying what are the most useful contrast paints? Black and white. Hands down, black and white. I can see me using them all the time. Um, uh, a chap by the name of Nicholas... Naf Plotics, uh, Pennant is his name on Twitter. He said, what are the worst as well? In my experience, as I said, uh, Pterodon Turquoise, not a big fan of Skeleton Horde. I think it's a bit disappointing as a, as a main bone colour, which I think is a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, Griff Charger Grey, not sure what to think of it yet. It's too thin for me. Uh, Tom Healy, which tastes best? Blood Angels Red. Kind of appropriate, I guess. I paint Blood Angels, got Blood Angels Army. I like the taste of Blood Angels Red. Could be a space vampire. You never know. Um, something I'd mentioned, which I think has kind of been, it was an interesting topic because some people like really seem to take issue with it being mentioned and others were like, yeah, no, I've heard this is, uh, a big bird on Twitter said, heard rumors of flaking and rubbing off, user error or bad formula, wet palette, yay or nay. Uh, does it fuck up the paint point you brush after a decent period of use, user error or bad paint ability to touch up layer contrast. So quite a lot. What I'll say is it does my personal opinion. It rubs. That's no different to glazing a model. Uh, I mean, normal acrylic paints shouldn't generally, on a plastic model, rub off base coat. They do rub off. I've tested it. I've double-checked it. I had a Death Company backpack, run my finger over the, the top of the backpack a couple of times. I'm now down to the undercoat. They do rub off. GW apparently themselves talk about using the um, the matte varnish. So what I've been doing is whenever I've done that, I mentioned earlier, if I'm doing a whole model red, I'll do it all red in the contrast paint do the two layers, then I'll matte seal it, then I'll move on to paint. And it's been fine. It doesn't rub off them. That's just that's just a small thing. It happens whether you want to argue about it or not. I've tested it, tried it, it happens. Um, wet palette, yes or no? Don't know. Don't use a wet palette. Sorry, mate, can't say. Don't think you would use a wet palette with these because they're straight out of the pot. No, I'd, what, I'd what, say one what, one thing. I I haven't used them yet. I do use a wet palette for some of my blending and stuff. I don't use them for metallics. But um, they've said that the fact that they've released a specially formulated medium to go with it, I'd suggest that they don't work, they don't react well with water, I wouldn't imagine. So I wouldn't, um, I mean, you know, you can have a play around, there's nothing stopping yeah, you. Yeah, to be fine, that, to be fair, limited application of water has been fine. Um, talk about fucking up the point of your brush. Um, I don't see many applications will be using a particularly detailed point of a brush. I use wash brushes for most of the application of this. Um, so I don't know. I don't see why it would. The pigment's strong, but you shouldn't really be having that much wash, that much paint on your brushes for it to cause an issue. So I, I don't see that being an issue. Um, ability to touch up over layer paints is a tricky one because we talked about the tonal shifts. Um, when it, when you it is a bit tricky to clean up. Okay, if it runs runs an area you don't want, or you've painted them over the model and one thing it does is if you miss a bit and then you go back and you put the blood you, you, you try and tidy it up with more contrast paints it builds the layer up so you have a the it's it doesn't work if you have a whole say you've got a whole blood angel 
and you painted it all red and you missed half of a grieve. If you then go back, you'd almost have to perfectly paint in that square where, or that, that area that you've missed. Because if you overlap that contrast paint with the other contrast paints already there, that will just be darker. It stands out from a mile away. So it is tricky to touch up. Um, I don't know what to suggest over that. Um, so those are the main questions. And um, obviously you said that GW does... It's thick lay, so it can rub off. It's, it's, it's just a thing. Um, so for me... Per- I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd, I'd say just one thing. Um, having... Uh, Sort of, uh, you know, with with the army that my new army that I'm working on, you know, wanting to improve with blending and glazing and all the rest. So I have actually come across a situation like that where it's very similar to try and touch up an area where you've messed up with the glaze, um, because if you try and touch it up, then you're just glazing the area around it even more and exactly. getting a, a, an opacity that you perhaps don't want. The easiest thing to do if it's on like a, say, on one sort of edge of a blade or you know whatever the situation might be just bite the bullet and you have to base coat it again and start from scratch yeah which um, is ideal which is ideal but it's yeah it's um you know i mean i imagine with contrast you know if you if you mess up say the helmet of the storm cast and the rest of it you just rebase the helmet of it with wraithbone or gracier or whatever you base coat it and just slap another one thick coat back on it you know so one thing I wanted to, the very last thing about contrast paints that I think is a really good selling factor is consistency. Now, what I mean by that is contrast paints are, for me, the best uses out of the pot. Yes, you can use the medium to water them down, et cetera, et cetera, and apply them in the same way as glazes and things, which I haven't had a dramatic amount of success with. I need to play around with it a lot more because these are different to normal paints. The old rules don't apply. What I mean by consistency is, I know if I paint 15 Death Company, I can crack open my pot of black, my pot of black Templar, do two coats. It will give me the black consistently across everything I paint for that army for as long as GW is doing contrast paints and they don't mess up the change the formula over that period of time. So I can open a pot. I don't need to put it on my palette. I don't need to mix it. I don't have to do X, Y, or Z. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because I've got my Iron Jaws army, which is a very darkly washed silver. So I paint them silver. So they've got, uh, I, I, I airbrush them as a silver color. Then I do a very strong wash that I mix myself with um, a bad and black. And uh, it's just water, to be honest, uh, because so much of it, I'll just burn through medium at a crazy rate. What this means is if I'm washing an entire army's worth of metal, which I have done, is I'm constantly going back and forth and reapplying this into my palette, mixing it back up again, washing it. And it just happens. It's natural that some of the models have a very, some are a lot lighter on the metal than others. So I need to go and fix that or just accept they're going to look slightly different. With contrast paints, I know if I use that same technique across the entire board, if I wash them all the same way, I'm using the same paint straight out the pot. I don't have to bother with a palette. It will give me the same black. That is a fantastic selling point. It's, just, it's the same selling point as why things like uh, Mephisto and Red Spray, which I always have issues with, but are very popular. Other people have no problem. It's great because you know you can just go to Games Workshop, buy your spray, spray all your models. They're all that red. Job done. Don't have to worry about it. That's a big selling point for me with contrast paints is consistency in application. So what that means for me is 
I can tell you now, I'm a painter, I will be using contrast points going forward. Um, if I add to my daughters, I will be using that instead of just undercoating black. Um, I'm doing it with all my death company. Um, I'm doing a feck army at the moment, which I've used to get the most out of the contrast paints, which I've which I've really enjoyed painting. And what I've done, I've gone for that all goo um, colour scheme, which is black skin and like a white faded chest piece. I found them really good for that. So two-tone colour schemes, very good. So the black's just literally two washers. I left the white bit along the belly and up going up to the bottom of the throat. Um, and then painted that with the um, apothecary white, uh, kind of edged it slightly, just slightly over, kind of painted it over the black. And it's a lovely blend. It works really well, I'm impressed. So if you're doing kind of that two-tone colour scheme, I again, recommend them for that. So anything that you want to paint, um, they're, they're the examples that I want to use. I think contrast paints are very good for painting space marines, uh, coloured stormcasts that aren't metallic, which I've mentioned already. Um, horses, certain colours, really good. Snake white leather, my absolute favourite. That's my that's my pro pick on that one. Basing, brilliant. So they're kind of um, they're kind of my my choices for the time being. So I think contrast paints definitely pick them up, have a play around, um, but have a, have a use in mind. Um, it's a shame that a lot of them I see are kind of more applicable to 40k because of the way the models work. Um, but for AOS, I think if you're if you're not painting an army that's metallic, I think they're really good, really really good. Um, so that's my overall thoughts. I've got contrast paints. I'll continue to use them. They've got very good application. They are not reinventing the wheel. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. I mean, obviously we're going to be using them for God knows how how long. Um, so hopefully we'll have more thoughts down the road. But yeah, that's that. hopefully I'll, I'll get this little part parcel out to you, Rob, and you can have a play around and yeah, yeah, I, I think, experiences. Yeah, I think um, I'm definitely you know even if I it's sort of I, well, it's, I think the horrors are probably going to be because it'd be nice to have um, a portion of the army the the zinch portion of the chaos army that I'm working on that you can almost because the the, the hot you know the horrors it's almost like right well, I can portion them off I can say that you know I did the base coats with you know with with the contrast and I can perhaps work up and you know even with stuff you know working on you know perhaps using for the the faded blends on the arms of the horrors and the brimstones and the blue horrors and stuff that you know I can I perhaps test it out so I was painting pink horrors use the voluminous pink it's brilliant really 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 impressed well, okay Really, really. Well, that's it, and, 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 and just and, and then you know because they're such a striking part of the army, then you know it's not like you know working on other parts that perhaps will throw the look off, as it were. You know they're very because they're the only sort of demonic part of the army. I think you know as a as a as a look as it. I don't, I don't think it'd be uh, too bad. The only one bit of feedback that well, there's one bit of feedback that. I was listening to on a podcast actually latest episode of the Painting Men um, was that it gives a slightly sort of almost like a chalky kind of finish sometimes with contrast. Have you found that yet, or do you think that's just a poor application of the base coat? Maybe um, I've only found it like that where you're not using the. Basically, I'm not a fan of reapplying the base coat and washing over the top. I think you need a super solid base coat of the the paint pot versions of Wraithbone and Greyseer. 
Um, I think that's something personally I would yeah. just avoid doing that. I would flat out avoid it. I, I don't think the results are very good. Okay, so just stick with the spray base coat and yeah. whack on your, that's, your that's, contrast. That's given it? me my best results. I'm quite gagging to paint some chirocacolites now because I want to do Gilliman's Flesh. The one that I've done over the yeah. spray base coat, solid, worked really well. Heads on my, as I said, on my blisters, I didn't get a good result at all. I wasn't impressed. Um, I think there's just, well, I, think... I don't know what that is. I couldn't tell you, but yeah, I mean, chirocacolites, I want to get, like, if I paint, I will be painting them again and I will be using contrast on them. 100% fantastic models for contrast. Yeah. That's cool, it. cool, cool. That's my thoughts. Excellent. So please do have a little Brilliant. listen. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know what your favourite paints are, which ones you don't really get on that well with. Uh, I think this is going to be, we're going to be talking about contrast paints for a long time. I think it's going to kind of settle down and they're going to find their acceptance within the scene and find their uses. So really excited to see what people do with them. Mostly straight out of the pot. I know you can glaze them and paint amazing stuff. Amazing pages have always painted amazing stuff. I want to see what people are doing out of the pot applications I haven't considered. So please do share them. Hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Facebook. That would be amazing. So that's it from me, Rob. Anything else from yourself over this disjointed episode? Well, I just sort of wanted to add, I think, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the um, other section that we recorded on Thursday, but don't sleep on, I know the, the sort of the big paint re- release who, um, over recent times has been focused on the contrast, but don't sleep on some of the new base and layer paints that they've released as well. Because that wraith bone is pucker, like a screaming skull. Not you know, it's always been a a shabby bone or a bit of a nightmare paints to work for. You know that I've I've always found to work with. They've never really Agreed. been opaque enough. Agree. Do you know what I mean that they're they're a bit bitty? The I don't you, know, you have to you just have to stir the crap out of them to get the pigment mixed. They're terrible. Whereas with wraith bone. You add that to any, you know, if you're working on, you know, kind of sort of with, with the project that I'm working on, a lot of blending, a lot of mixing colours on wet palettes and all the rest of it, you add wraith bone to anything and it still automatically creates the highlight of that colour. Um, uh, stuff like Barracknar Burgundy is a lovely colour as well. Phoenician Purple sits really well with the Zarius Purple and I'm, I'm going to be using that a lot with the uh, any of the purples that I do in the... Yeah, and although a Phoenician purple it, it's an Empress Children heresy colour. Um but again it sits well with those colours. So, you know, any sort of uh, there's a lot of purple on um Egrim's dragon, so uh gonna be using that quite a bit. And yeah, there's some other there's some other little little jewels in that range that they've they've released that, you know, with the hype around contrast might go a little bit you know, missed and you know the yeah. as you said before the rebranding of the um, the Forge World clear range into the air range. Um, be interesting to see, you know, work with that and you know airbrushing blends and glazes and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm really looking forward to to things like that. So yeah, it's uh, you know again like you said before, you know that they release this stuff. You know some of it will be relevant to what people want to do with their projects. Some of it won't. You know, you take take what take you know, take take out of it what you will and and just look forward to seeing a lot you know hopefully a lot more not that we don't see them now but, but you know uh, <laughs> yeah you know, like perhaps, you say you know, I... the, the range of paints will inspire people to perhaps tackle a project that they perhaps were a bit you know hesitant to, to dive into you know like you said with the effect 
there was always something that you kind of you loved that 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 sort of shark skin kind of look didn't you from back when we saw those play bears and for you to get your teeth into it and apply it to an army that's filth by the way but um uh, <laughs> you know using the the the, the, the paints to uh, paints to achieve that look then that you know that's kind of you're achieving something that you've always wanted to do and these things have allowed you to do that in yeah absolutely good time you know so i think you need to work uh, you know, i think it's contrast paints work with the medium don't try and make the me- medium work for you that's i think that's the yeah that's and, you know, yeah fantastic awesome good stuff well that's another episode wrapped up those again thanks for coming back rob um hopefully be a couple of weeks and no we'll get another episode out and uh have you have kind of maybe talk a little bit more about contrast paints and kind of what we've found out since and um i've oh, got so many army projects to talk about different techniques all sorts so it should be a bumper episode ever chosen time. painting competition that me and ian are looking to enter in as well so awesome well, i'm sure we'll have updates on that yeah and, definitely yeah, I mean, I think ian's gonna skip the next ahead. ian is moving house so he's probably gonna skip the next episode so we may get one of the mainstays such as mr christopher gary tomlin or uh, maybe even aaron on just for a quick catch up and see how they're getting <laughs> on hobby wise um yeah. But yeah that's it awesome thanks for listening fantastic. and uh we'll catch you all soon Bye. See you soon. Bye. Them, yeah. yeah. Well, quick, quick question. What's what's drawn you to do the ever chosen competition? Um, just you know, I wanted a a reason to paint a mod. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake! That was quite loud. Can you hear me? You, yeah, I can hear you. Good. I thought we went again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been super critical of my opinion. Nope. Not at all. (laughs)